Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mompreneurs by mompreneurs. Each week, we are diving into mom-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today, I am your co-host, Olivia Radcliffe. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Pombert. <laughs> and today, we are going to do kind of a, a roundup look back at the year. You know, it's it's been a long and short year all in once, I feel like. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird, weird mix, but... We wanted to look at some key categories of of ways you can look back at your business, look back at your year to help set you up to be most productive for your next upcoming year and give you a little sneak peek at at our own review as, you know, we follow, you know, we practice what we preach. We look back at our own stuff as well. Basically, Um, just getting to listen to us working through our own reviews, because I think that's really interesting. And we're hoping that you'll be able to take some nuggets to apply to your own reviewing. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the first things we look at in our end of year review is our financial review, because obviously we're in business, so we need to make Mm -hmm. money. So (laughs) we need to actually take a look at our revenue and our expenses and things like that. Do you want to jump in, Michelle, and talk about what we kind of look at there? Yeah, I really like kind of keeping a pretty close thumb on finances, particularly in my solo business, because I'm paranoid about taxes. <laughs> so okay. I keep a really close view, but it becomes, you almost become like numb to the numbers when you're so granular. So I do really like that looking back. And one of the things I really realized, I did this actually probably in October, was my expenses were starting to get higher this year than they have in the previous four or five years. And I think a lot of that was just some shiny objects, but Mm. a lot of it was like tech things where I didn't have like grandfathered plans that were sticking to good prices. I was using a lot of tools or paying for a lot of tools I wasn't using anymore. Just kind of realizing that that expense category was starting to outweigh what I wanted it to proportionately. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's been a funny year in terms of income because we're a joint business as well. So it's mm-hmm. been really interesting to see some shifts in like where money is coming from. This year, I found my affiliates were much like me making affiliate commissions, sorry, mm-hmm. was a much bigger proportion of my personal business's income than last year. And that was really helpful to see because it was not it's something I'd like consciously decided to do but became a much bigger portion so seeing like where the money came from from the joint business from affiliates from my own digital products and stuff it it shifted to what I thought it was and it was really interesting to see like how big of a portion those different parts were actually accumulating to the total how about you how's your kind of division happened yeah, well, I mean, I'm like you, obviously, with our joint business and then with my solo business, we kind of keep a tab on on what's coming in and going out throughout the year. We don't wait till the end of the year to look and say, oh, my goodness, we've like, <laughs> um, but that end of year look back at like, okay, overall, how much should we make? How much should we spend? What what does that look like in a big picture over the year? Because you're right, when you're looking at it on a month to month basis or, you know, sometimes uh, smaller increments. It, it you tend to get a little blind to the numbers and the overall trends and big pictures of, okay, where is that income coming in and what am I spending the most money on? Mm. And looking back at that throughout the year, um, 
you know, from my own personal business, stopping and looking at that, I've realized that people are spending a lot more money with me on done for you stuff and like my big marketing strategy and things like that. So that helps me see that, okay, people need more help with those kinds (laughs) of things. So that can help kind of uh, make me a little bit aware of, you know, trends and what my products I should be offering, what I should focus on with my promotional calendars. And if I want to boost some of those other areas, okay, well, I need to look at what my marketing is for those and and kind of take a a reverse engineering approach then. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, budget, you know, sticking with a budget and and such as well. I, I don't necessarily set a budget for myself for the business. I know we, we try to make really good decisions about our tech stack. (laughs) I mean, we try, um, our our tech stack and the programs we purchase, we always want to make sure that whatever we're purchasing or spending money on is going to last. It's going to, we're going to see the return on that investment, uh, for a long time to come. So, Mm. um, so the next thing we tend to look at is goal achievement. What goals did we set for ourselves for the year? Did we achieve them? And if we didn't, why not? And if we did, why? What worked? What helped us reach those goals? Mm. Yeah. And I I am not a goal setter in the traditional sense. Like I don't (laughs) set income goals. I don't set any of those kind of goals, but I did set myself almost like missions. Um, And I think that's kind of the same idea, but I really wanted to set a mission this year for myself to take the pressure off doing things live. Um, And if anyone listening kind of knows some of my products, there's a lot of stuff I talk about of doing things not so live, of being lower energy and really respecting that need I have. Um, So my goal, my mission for myself this year was to really respect my own energy levels, my own ability to people um, in front of other people to have calls to be on and that was something I really honored throughout the year and I think it was really helpful to have that and I I think I achieved a pretty good job I think there's always room for improvement for holding boundaries to kind of really push that further but I think just having that intention to be more mindful of where my energy was going to be more mindful of how I was showing up um I think I feel it's had a huge trickle effect and funnily enough I think has actually opened up a lot of opportunities for me because it's been something so intentional and something I I talk about a lot so it's been yeah it's been a really nice thing to see that I guess goal come to fruition even though it's not like a traditional goal in the business sense um I think that that's been really fun but I know you set more traditional like quote-unquote real goals for yourself in your business what does that look like for you so I I do set some goals for myself um but where I find the most value I think is going back and reviewing those goals because often I'll set a goal and then I will achieve it and not know I've achieved it and then I'll keep going and (laughs) I think stopping and celebrating those achievements is a really important thing to, to note. You know, I don't know if you've ever um, set a mission, Michelle, or a goal or something, <laughs> had some sort of dream you wanted to achieve and then kind of forgot you set it and then kept mm. on going on your merry way. And then you look up three months later and like, oh, well, I've done that. And then some, and like, you have to be able to, 
I, I don't know, to measure that progress, to appreciate how far you've come with things. Yeah. And I think especially as like a solo business owner or a small business owner, there's not as many external things reminding you. Like one of my life missions a couple of years ago was getting my French nationality. And it's really obvious when you've achieved that because you have a passport, (laughs) like it's really clear. But in business, it's not as obvious. It's not those like external forces saying you did the thing. So I think that's that's a really good point to just build in kind of those acknowledgements because we don't have them internally as much. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, post, post your goals somewhere, post what your mission is. That would be something that you'll know when you achieve it, you Mm. know, not just some intangible, I'll feel better or (laughs) I will be successful. What does success look like for you? What does Mm. feeling better look like, you know, and how will you know when you've gotten it? So you can stop and, and celebrate it when you do get it. And if at the end of the year, you look back and you had goals that you didn't meet, you know, kind of ask yourself why with things, Mm -hmm. you know, is it something that maybe it's not a goal anymore and that's okay. You can shift and move on and focus on something else. Or was there something holding you back that you need to focus really on, um, on adjusting and coming through that in the next year? Mm -hmm. So Next up, the next category we tend to look at is customer feedback. So just kind of, we, I think we tend to keep a tab on this also throughout the year as far as testimonials and feedback. Um, But what do you do, Michelle? Yeah, I've been really intentional this year of actually asking explicitly for feedback. I am not that great at reading it between the lines, so I need it to be more direct. Um, So I've done a couple of like audience surveys, asking people in my audience, particularly on my email list, like, what do they want? How are they doing? How do they think about my brand? What would they like? What's the kind of gaps that they're seeing? And then doing some like actual customer surveys after people have purchased, particularly for some of the higher price things. It's a bit of a pain to do for like little products, but trying to kind of get that feedback while it's still fresh. Um, I built into a lot of my post-purchase sequences, asking for testimonials, asking for feedback. And I really love getting those messages from my systems being like, someone's left your review and I can read those. And I mm. really try and a like use those testimonials once I get them, but also kind of take note of like, is there anything coming up? Are there maybe ideas for resources that I didn't think of that people would love to have added to those products, for example? Um, during the year I did a, a live round, I did a get it done week for one of my courses, my low, low energy launching course. And it was really fun. It was really great. It was maybe a bit fast for some people. And I wouldn't have known that unless they'd actually told me in the form. So now next time I'm going to run it, I'll give them more time, but it sparked for me two or three new resources that I then made, which if no one had filled in that feedback I wouldn't have really had that epiphany of like oh gosh you know it would help them implement that more xyz um so I think that's been really helpful to just have running in the background of the business and then being intentional about adding those like direct surveys almost market research and customer surveys throughout the year to gather more punctual data like specific at uh, certain points of the year so I've really found that valuable um but I think you can take 
you know customer feedback in all sorts of different formats I think I just like the the directness of the that. directness yeah can you share yeah. a little bit on how you have that kind of built into your systems automatically Oh, sure. So I use Shopify for my store and you can have just like a feedback app built in there and they send out reminders. But if people purchase through my funnels or if they have signed up for something in a freebie or a summit, I also have some forms built into my courses asking for people's reviews, just like built straight into the course. And then I remind them of that in some of the post-purchase emails as well. So it's a couple of different touch points depending on how someone's got something of mine, but also kind of catching them like when they're in the course or maybe when they're in an email box, it's it's nice to kind of reach people in multiple places. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love what you're doing of kind of building in some automatic steps. So it's not just falling on you to remember mm-hmm. to do this at some point. Um, if you don't have these automated steps built into place, you can absolutely at, at the end of the year, just send a mass email to everybody, to all your clients and say, Hey, I'd really love some p- feedback. What did you like about X, Y, Z, or what would you like to see from me in the upcoming year? How can I better support you and see what sort of feedback you get? Yeah, definitely. And also any positive feedback you get, definitely, you know, screenshot that, write it down, keep it as a testimonial that you can use um, on your sales pages and your marketing going forward with, with permission. Of course, I always ask for permission. Yes. <laughs> All right. The next thing we look at is the actual product or service performance. So how did our offers actually perform in like a, a sales, you know, perspective, like what mm-hmm. was the most popular, what wasn't getting a lot of views, but also from a kind of tech standpoint and ease of use, both for us and for the consumers as well. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting one. And some people listening might have just like one offer. So it's kind of just evaluating that one offer. Yeah, We both have lots of different things and then the joint business. So it's obviously more of a comparing the different offers available. Um, for me on a more product, digital product side, I had a product go like mini viral, which was really fun. I had one product, which is only nine euros. It's my not so live launch events course. And I've sold like probably almost a hundred of them this year, which I wasn't expecting it to go so well with very minimal marketing efforts. (laughs) Um, But it was just so much fun to see that like kind of smaller course. It's really affordable that I put together just because it was on my heart and it just kind of took off. And I hadn't maybe really acknowledged or realized how much of a hit it had been until looking through like, okay, so what sold, how much and all that. Um, so that was really fun to see. And some of the courses that maybe I'd created earlier, a little less in love with, tended not to do as well, which I think that correlation is not a surprise to anybody listening, but like the things you love tend to get promoted more, tend to get talked about more. Um, but it was a very interesting thing to kind of look through that data recently and see like, oh yeah, there's a strong correlation here with the things I really love, I really care about. Um, So that's been really fun. And then for our joint business, I mean, we launched our membership this year and it's been super cool. Was it this year or last year? (laughs) I'm not good at time. This this year? I don't know what year it is. Don't ask me. I think it was this year. (laughs) It's been really cool to see like not just it growing and getting new members, but also hearing people like out in the bigger business world talking about it or knowing who we are just because of the membership. Like 
that's just such a cool little I don't know ego boost <laughs> that our little membership is is out there flourishing on its own um so it's been really really fun that's not that hard data but that's just like a cool thing that we've noticed yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I've noticed the same thing I'll be in networking groups like completely separate from the joint business stuff mm. and they'll be like oh you're one of the shiny squirrel ladies I'm like yes, <laughs> I am a shiny squirrel lady of course <laughs> and I love it I love it um and that's, you know, I mentioned earlier that I noticed an uptick in my um, done for you sales and mm. such. And that's, you know, taking note at, okay, so what offers do I have out there? What's really, uh, what's really helping people? Where are they going most for, for help? And so noticing that my done for you stuff is really picking up. It's helped me kind of go back to the drawing board and think, okay, well, what else can I offer here? And how can I do it in a way that's not um, bankrupting me on the time side of things <laughs> to put that yeah. gently because yeah it's done- tough with done for you because yeah. it is a very finite resource like there's only so much time and energy we have exactly so it's like okay so that's really working well so how do I take that to the next level and do it in mm-hmm. a creative way because I don't have a ton of extra time I, th- I think yeah. if anyone has listened to us you know that we're both <laughs> super busy and uh, have a lot of mom duties involved uh, in addition to the business duties, but um, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily have picked up on if I hadn't have mm-hmm. taken the time to stop and look at, at, okay, what's working, what's not. And then alternatively, I can look and see, okay, so maybe there's some um, smaller offers that people aren't really getting into. And then mm-hmm. I can stop and look and say, okay, is that because I'm not marketing them because I'm not? Or is it because that that subject just isn't helpful to my audience? That's not mm. what my audience specifically is looking for. And when you can have that awareness of things, you can stop and take a look at it and and not waste your time putting something together that's maybe not going to hit as well with your audience or not going to help them where they actually need the help. You'll be able to show up where they need you to show up. Yeah. And you kind of did pivot in your solo business quite a bit. Well, not I quite did. a bit. At the, at the end of last year. So this is also kind of seeing the first year of this new direction, these new offers out there in the world. And, you know, I think that's really important, particularly in like your case in this post pivot kind of space to see yeah. really what's working and what's not. It's a good point. I kind of forgot I did that pivot, but you're <laughs> right. <laughs> you're totally right. Um, another place to look at your offers and how they're doing is if you participate in bundles at all. You know, look mm. at what you're putting into bundles and what sort of feedback and and how interested people are in that particular yeah. offer in those bundles, which, you know, does go back into the audience for the bundle. And there's a lot of other metrics in there as well, but you can kind of get a sense for what people are looking to sign up for. Mm, definitely. So the next um, little thing we look at is kind of along the same lines. We're looking at marketing and sales. And Mm -hmm. specifically the effectiveness of different marketing strategies. And when I look at this, I look not just at the hard numbers of engagement, the vanity metrics, how many new followers likes, but then also what felt good to me with my marketing Mm -hmm. strategies. What did I love doing and what I didn't love doing so much? Yeah. And I think that's really important because anything as a small or solo business owner is is an energy cost and I think marketing and sales tend to be I'm not overgeneralizing some of the things that are the most challenging 
for newer business owners, for people who aren't marketers themselves or salespeople themselves, because it is so much of putting ourselves out there. It's so much like externalized effort. So I think it is like particularly important to assess that in those areas. Um, You know, for marketing, I think it's been a kind of interesting year in terms of the online business market sort of space that we both, all three businesses kind of live in, Um, you know, bundles and, well, summits, but mostly bundles, I think really got oversaturated at one Mm -hmm. point during the year. You know, it, it became really trendy to host a bundle, you know, we did it too. And we talked Um, about it a lot too. We talked about it a lot and it does work really well, but it did start to get kind of overwhelming with just how many were out there. And I think the overall kind of business landscape got a bit fatigued by so much noise in like all these free offers or, you know, paying for a bundle and having to sign up for all these things. And I think it's, it's been kind of telling that the, results I guess that I was seeing last year from bundles did kind of drift a bit like there's been a few that have been still very successful I got lots of subscribers but overall I feel like those efforts have felt a little harder a little less of a a big win it felt less like people were excited to be on my list because they got something special in a bundle and more like it's just one more thing so I did see much more this you know later part of the year people who would sign up for something in a bundle and then drop off really quickly you know Mm -hmm. unsubscribe pretty quickly while earlier it wasn't as quick of a a turnaround if people did leave um which is fine they're very welcome to if they don't want to stick around um but yeah that's been really interesting to see just like that shift and it I don't think I'll stop participating in bundles I think they're still a great strategy but it it does mean I'm trying to be and you know we as a joint business are trying to be more mindful of really you know making sure we're bringing something perfectly aligned for that bundle if we're joining in kind of vetting to make sure they are a, you know well-established kind of business who are hosting them making sure it's you know really the right audience because it it's still a lot of effort even if you know we're not hosting a bundle still being part of it is is effort and putting our offers out there for free is still a lot so we want to be mindful so I, I've seen that kind of shift in the market space and my own like marketing efforts which bundles and summits have been a big part of my marketing efforts personally and ours too um, seeing that kind of shift has been really interesting I'm trying to be very mindful of it as we go forward into the next year yeah I mean that's a good that's a great point to take note of and I too by the way have seen that shift of Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more people who are signing up for something. And then I see a lot more unsubscribes right in the delivery email. Like, all right, here's yep. your access to the thing and they're gone and that's okay. Like that's, that's fine. That's, that's on them. They're not meant to be in my audience. Maybe they'll go through the thing and love it and come back at some point. But I think it also points to, I'm seeing a trend in people are getting overwhelmed with email in general. And mm. that's a big general statement. That's not for everybody. <laughs> that's just what I'm seeing. And it's what I'm experiencing as well. And I have the kind of luxury, I guess, of I am my ideal client. A lot of what I am going through is stuff that um, a lot of my audience is going through for my for my personal business. 
Mm. And so I can kind of say that like I'm drowning in email. So I need to take a look at my email strategy, both in how I'm receiving emails, but how am I sending emails and talk to a few of the people in my audience and say, what do you think about this? Are you feeling these same things? And kind of, I don't know, getting a, a keeping a pulse on what's going on um, with people in that sense as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big emailer. Like if anyone listening is on my list, I email pretty regularly and I, I love email. And I think since moving to a shop format, since kind of shifting my own perspective on selling, I've really enjoyed just selling more directly, being a little bit less beating around the bush yeah. <laughs> about things. And it's been really interesting to see the reaction, like my my unsubscribe, my click-through rates haven't really shifted since I've done that, but I feel so much better showing up and not having to pretend I'm not selling something today, but kind of drop a hint and then tomorrow drop another hint. Like I'm not good at that. Again, I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm not good at in between the lines. So (laughs) me trying to do it is just a disaster. (laughs) So just embracing that, like, I'm here to sell, I'm a business, I'm a shop. And and I think people have become used to and, and kind of expecting that now on my list. And it's been really interesting to see that that hasn't had the dramatic, horrible effect I guess I was scared it would to just say, here's a thing, would you like to buy the thing? Um, so it's been really nice. And I think I will probably still email more than the average bear, but I kind of don't mind it because it makes sense for me and the business I have. But it has been interesting to kind of see that shift I think particularly in businesses who are selling high ticket who are selling things that need a lot of like warming up I do see that that kind of frequency can get fatiguing can get tiring there's a lot of like okay when's the pitch when's the pitch mm-hmm. feeling at least I have so yeah it's it's been interesting to see that shift and for me personally to actually change the strategy behind my email marketing to not do that as much just say like here's what it is would you like it um so it's been really interesting to see too yeah yeah definitely all right so the next thing we kind of take a look at and this may or may not apply to, to everyone else's business but we look at a team assessment so pretty much how are things going in a team capacity, both like in our joint business, obviously we're, we're business <laughs> partners, we have a team. Um, but if you happen to have a, a VA or anyone else on your payroll, you know, taking a look at how things are going, how's communication, <laughs> how's the workload, you know, um, what are some achievements that have been made along those ways, things like mm. that. Yeah, I I deliberately don't have a team in my personal business. I'm not good at delegating outside of like our partnership. This is just the so beautiful- you're great at delegating. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think kidding. that's just because it's you. But like, <laughs> yeah. I think I think in general, I'm not the best at like letting go of things. I like having that granular control in my business. Mm-hmm. But it has been, I mean, it is this like bizarre thing with Olivia and my like partnership. Our relationship is, I feel so much ease with delegating and sharing and our communication style and it's been something I keep reflecting on of like what is that like why (laughs) is it so much easier with with you because it is a bit a lightning in a bottle it's a bit like my husband like it, it doesn't feel like we're having to share because it's just we're both equally invested in the thing right and I do think that that is the difference and why I probably won't hire a team ever I don't know um 
because I think that equal investment in the project and the outcome being both 100% in is why I feel our partnership, our delegating, our team dynamic works so well and probably where I would struggle <laughs> with just delegating to someone who isn't as invested, isn't as in the business as I am. But it was it was this kind of weird realization I had of like, why can I delegate so well? Why can I team with you so well when I'm usually not very good at this in other situations? Um, yeah, it was kind of a weird epiphany I had. <laughs> I mean, that's a really great point of, you know, when you're in a business partnership with someone and you're both you know, equally invested and you both love what you're doing and you're showing up Mm. for the audience the same way. I think it's, yeah, you obviously are aligned with your goals and what you want for the business. And that can be a little bit different when you have someone who's just there for a paycheck or something, you know, they, they don't obviously care as much about your goals as you do. So having some sort of a joint goal, some story, some mission that they can buy into for your business. I think that's important in helping build a, a successful team, um, mm. which is a whole other episode we can get into at some point. <laughs> but um, I do. So in my solo business, I do have an assistant. Her name is Rachel and she is amazing. And I love <laughs> Rachel. And, um, but it is that thing of, I, I was thinking of this as you were talking, Michelle, it's very much like, I genuinely feel like she cares about me and my Mm. business and what's going on. And like, that's, um, I didn't realize how big of a thing that was that we, we both have, we believe in the mission for, for Mm. the business. And that's why, you know, we, we, yeah, it's why it all works. (laughs) But I do think, you know, it takes a moment or you should take a moment to stop and evaluate. um, If you have a team, what's working? Do you feel any discomfort with delegating things? Um, But also if you don't have a team, do you want one? Is there a, is there a space where you could use some extra help? And Mm -hmm. is this something you should maybe look into in the next year and then, and then come back and listen to our episode. We'll do at some point about how to build a team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think you can delegate beyond other humans too. Like I've built a lot of systems, a lot of automations that do, some of the work that a team member might do without the humaning that I find somewhat tricky sometimes. (laughs) Which leads in perfectly to the next category of operational efficiency, um, which is just looking at the the main business. How do things Mm -hmm. flow? You know, are there any bottlenecks in your processes? Are there any processes that are really sticky and really hard? And I think part of that's also looking at your tech stack. You know, yeah. is there anything that could be automated or delegated to a, to a system, a platform that's that's holding you up? Yeah. And something we sort of recently realized with our joint business was the podcast, like very meta, um, how we've been delegating that work between the two of us and, and working through that wasn't necessarily the easiest, was kind of causing, I think, both of us to sit in some discomfort in how things worked. And it was really helpful for us to sit down and go like, okay, how do we want this to go? Where is the bottleneck? What is, you know, causing delays and how can we streamline this? How can we rejiggle some priorities so that both of us are doing things that come more easily. And it's been, it's been really nice since we've made those shifts. Nothing was like on fire. We've obviously kept putting up podcasts. It's been good. But I think just realizing that there was some 
not tension, but like some squeaking of the wheels of like something yeah. is a bit something a bit squeaky. It needed <laughs> and, to be and greased. it could be better. Yeah, it needed to be greased. My metaphor totally tracks. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I think, you know, to, to get into a little more detail there, it was, mm. we were both, do, we had our set tasks that we were doing for the episodes. And then when we stopped and looked at it, it's like, well, I'm not doing tasks that are really my zone of genius. They're more your yeah. zone of genius. <laughs> and because I'm doing these things that are really not what I want to do, and it takes me a ton more time to do it, it's holding you up. And then I'm also not having the time on the other end to do the things that are in my zone of genius. So just stopping and taking a look at who's doing what, where do, where do we need to grease the squeaky yeah. wheels a little bit, <laughs> um, and kind of shifting things around and really looking at, okay, so where do these pegs fit in the holes? You know, mm. not trying to force a square peg into a round hole. How can we reconfigure this puzzle so that it makes a little more sense? And so I guess that's also a bit of a spoiler alert. So for next year, we've, we've done some rejiggling. And so we were rejiggling the podcast. It's a very jiggly podcast. It's a very jiggly podcast. (laughs) That should be the episode title. (laughs) Rejiggling. Um, So, yeah, and that's, so taking a look at your processes, your SOPs you have in place, your tech stack, is there something that maybe you used to do manually that now you can invest in um, a product to help with it? Uh, Just kind of looking at those things all the way across the board and seeing, because sometimes when we just do the discomfort day in and day out, we do a process because it's always how we did the process. We tend to get stuck in things and not realize that, okay we could do things differently. There is another way to set this up so that it could flow a little easier. Yeah. Uh, Next up is, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but it's industry trends and changes. So Mm. markets are shifting continually. Our audience is always shifting a bit. And whether that's just marketing, sales strategies, you know, things people like, what they need, you know, different changes and in products that are out there. Obviously AI has made a huge shift in a lot of people's businesses. Um, But just kind of taking a moment to look at what trends are going on and seeing if you can kind of pick some threads out for some future trends that might be coming up. Yeah. And I think checking in with yourself too, like anything that's trendy, you can decide if you want to hop on the trend or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's been really interesting. As you said, AI was so big and such a big trend and Funnily enough, in Europe, we didn't get like ChatGPT for a very long time, somewhat still not the whole thing. Um, but it's been interesting to kind of see like, when do you choose to opt in to those trends? When do you lean in? And when do you consciously kind of go the other way? When they go left, you go right. Because um, that can be strategic as well. Yeah, I, I that's one of my favorite strategies. Go left when people <laughs> go right. <laughs> because it feels so much better to me. I do not like following trends which is yeah I don't yeah, know you're just a rebel I'm just a rebel <laughs> it is I, I really even with clothes and such mm-hmm. I've never followed trends but somehow the trends always come back to me and then I have <gasps> me to too. and then I'm like no don't wear what I'm wearing I need to be different yeah okay fun anecdote when I was like 12 I decided that ponchos were the coolest thing ever (laughs) and like a year later after I'd been homemaking my very cool ponchos they became like the thing in at least Melbourne where I was living at the time and like everybody was wearing them and then I couldn't wear my ponchos anymore (laughs) you're a trendsetter that's what it is such a trendsetter 
Or was just that weird kid who was wearing ponchos when nobody else was. <laughs> I feel like that's also I feel like that's also a good name for an episode. Yeah. <laughs> weird kids wearing ponchos. Um all right. So the next thing we look at is we we take it away from the business a little bit and we look at our own personal and our professional growth, you know. What new skills did we learn throughout the year? What what lessons did we learn? Were there any hard lessons that we had to go through? Um, and kind of keeping in mind, is there anything that we're going to need to to continue to focus on? You know, or is there anything that might have an impact on us that we want to continue to to learn and grow with? Mm, yeah, I think that that's kind of intangible and hard to point, but I think it is. it's it's also something you you may not recognize, like as parents of kids who are growing ridiculously fast it's that thing if you don't realize your kids growing until you see pictures of them from last year and I think it's it's hard to do that for yourself so that's where having a beautiful business partner who points them out (laughs) to you can help but I think having some external like accountability some some reflections from maybe outside sources are really helpful because it is hard to see how far you've come and reflect on like where you were a year or two or three ago particularly I think in that more personal mental development space um but yeah I I think it is something I lean on you and my husband (laughs) to help me with because I don't know but you know really thinking about this last year there's been a lot of accepting the way my brain is and and embracing my quirks and and adapting to myself and and being more mindful of my own needs and I think that's something it just felt like natural to what I needed in life, but I think it was something really big that, you know, past Michelle wouldn't have thought of or put attention behind. And that's been really like nice that it's been acknowledged and, and kind of seen from the outside too, because it is something you put energy into. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, um, you know, I think this kind of comes back to one of the earlier things we talked about of having goals mm. or missions. I think <laughs> if you are the kind of person who sets goals, setting some personal goals as well mm. in the beginning of the year, and then kind of keeping track on of that throughout the year um, can be can be helpful because it is it is like looking back at kids' pictures and realizing, oh my gosh, they're they're little kids and not babies anymore or something. How did that happen? Yep. I, I just did that with my son. I just looked back and was like, oh my gosh, it's hard. <laughs> the kid, where'd my baby go? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that's something I try to do kind of on a monthly basis because it can be so hard to look back. There's a lot that happens in the year and we don't necessarily see the growth or see the progress we're making while we're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can kind of forget things. A year can be a long time, right? Yeah. Um, and so on a monthly basis, I do try to look back and think of, okay, well, what did I set out to do that I didn't accomplish? What did I set out to do that I did accomplish? And look at those goals and, and look at, I also write down like, um, you know, I have goals towards writing more and mm. being on podcasts and speaking engagements and becoming even a, a better professional speaker. And so I'll, I'll write down, okay, I was on X number of podcasts this month, or I was published in X number of magazines and blogs and write it all out because at the end of the year, when I look back and say, oh my gosh, I had mm. like 50 something articles published. That's awesome. Like that was, 
it, it's, it can be really amazing to look and see how far you've come with things. Yeah. Quantify it too. Yeah. Like quantify that. it, which I know can be hard for some people. Uh, the last thing that we have that we look on is something really important to all of us. And that's the work-life balance. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think that's hard to quantify as well, but I think it shows maybe more obviously when it's out of whack than when it's working. Yeah. And I think you'll probably have a good sense of if throughout the year, there were periods where that got a bit too life or a bit too work, um, and, you know, I think it has to ebb and flow, but if that sort of pendulum swings a bit too far one direction than the other, I think it is something worth thinking about, acknowledging, and personally, my my pendulum tends to swing pretty hard life sometimes, and kind of my philosophy, and I talk a lot in my solo business, is just accepting and embracing that has helped it feel less heavy because it is going to happen. My life-work balance is chaos <laughs> mm-hmm. because it it is, but at least kind of accepting it for that very thing it is and anticipating it to swing hard to the life side sometimes has helped it feel less heavy and less draining and less of a disappointment when I can't show up for the work things as much as I'd want. Um not to say that, that means that it's like well balanced or that it's you know perfect all the time, but I think at least shifting this like the expectation of what I want it to look like or what it is has helped it feel less heavy when things do kind of swing a bit a bit wide in my pendulum. Yeah, I mean, I tend to think of work life balance more like work life equation, mm. and it's like two x plus two y equals your perfect work life balance. And that X variable and the Y variable, the work and the life, those can shift and adjust and change a little bit and still find that balance. But you have to be able to know when to shift and adjust and anticipate it and, and to make that balance in, in your own day. Um, mm. It's never, I don't think it'd be a, a split 50-50. I'm going to work and leave and take my work hat off and I'm putting my home hat on and that's it. I think we all tend to um, embrace that throughout. Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, that is our roundup for the year. That's what we (laughs) tend to look back on. And obviously we take a little more time and go a little more in depth and look at the stats on that. But if you're looking back at your year, we highly encourage that you take a moment and reflect on these things. And uh, we will put some other episodes in the show notes of things we've done. If you want to go a little more granular on some of the individual topics themselves, but yeah, and we, we will have another episode coming up next week, I think, that is going to kind of look forward as well, because yeah. I think they pair very nicely. We we reflect so that we can make intentional choices moving forward. So I feel like these two are, are a very nice pairing together this week and next week. Um, so I encourage you to listen to both of them as well, because I think reflecting and having all this thinking is is great. But if we don't do something with that thought that intention then sort of what was the point so (laughs) definitely listen in for the for the actionable piece as well (laughs) what was the point absolutely (laughs) um well thank you so much for joining us all this week on marketing like a mother if you found value in the show today and would like to support some fellow mompreneurs we'd really appreciate a rating or even just telling a friend about the show as michelle said we will be be back next week we'll have some more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses 
Until then, take care and happy holidays. Mm -hmm. <laughs>